Hey listeners, a brief aside before we start this month's episode, just to put it all in context. We sat down this month with the editor-in-chief of Baltimore Beat, Lisa Stone McRae. Lisa reached out to us today just before we went live to tell us the sad news that the Baltimore Beat will be following its predecessor, the city paper, and closing its doors. As we discussed in the episode, the landscape of journalism is ugly and rapidly shifting, so although the announcement has surprised everyone, it is in keeping with the trend we're seeing nationally. We wish the best to Lisa and the rest of the editors and workers and writers of Baltimore Beat. We hope everyone lands softly and quickly, and we look forward to everything that comes next from all of you. We decided to still run the episode with this small amendment attached because it has become an interesting time capsule that shows a conversation with Lisa just a week before she got the news of the Beat's closure. The episode is now a testament to just how quickly conditions are changing in an industry that hasn't yet settled after a digital and corporate disruption. Here's the episode. Coming to you from Charm City, this is Cece. And this is Anthony. At Lip Hop Bang. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, this is our what third third, third episode, third official episode. Yeah, third and a well, half. third third and a half. Right, third there was the one episode. that we started, but wasn't our first official start. Yeah, episode zero. This is our third and a half episode. We're glad you could join us. Yes. Um, we're recording today in a new space, so the audio may sound a little weird. Yes. We're at Red Emma's. And we want to thank them profusely for allowing us to use their backroom space, and also it's free state. Also, that we want to thank for letting us use this fantastic room. We're very happy to be here today, and uh, we love using local Baltimore establishments to promote um, Lip Pop Bang and also to support the culture and the community. Yeah, it's a rad place. It's a radical bookstore. It's worker-owned. It's also a restaurant and event space. If you're in Baltimore or in the area, check it out. Today we have a really exciting Woo! show. Um, today it's going to be a little different. We had um, some poets on episode one. We did. We had the executive director of a literary organization on episode two. We did. Today we have a journalist and editor, and we're really excited to welcome her. We are bringing in today Lisa Snowden McRae. She is the editor-in-chief of Baltimore Beat, Baltimore's only alternative weekly newspaper. She formerly worked as a community coordinator for the Baltimore Sun, as well as a writer and associate editor at Baltimore City Paper, Baltimore's former alternative weekly. Rest in peace. She is <laughs> local, growing up just down the road in Annapolis and attending Towson University just outside of the city. You can find her on Twitter at Lisa McRae, L-I-S-A-M-C-C-R-A-Y. That's your official bio. Yay, happy to have you, Lisa. Thanks so much yeah. for inviting me on. <laughs> it's good to, to have you here. So that's the official bio. Why don't you say a bit about yourself? What do you tell people other than the official bio when you're asked to talk about yourself? Sure. Um, I never thought that I was going to be the editor of a paper. <laughs> ever. Um, I thought that I was just going to be a writer mm. and, you mm. know, worry about whatever story was assigned to me. I pretty much decided when I was little that I wanted to be a writer. I mm. devoured books, Babysitter's Club, yes. uh, Ramona Quimby. Yeah, at least Nancy Drew maybe. Yes, I yeah. did do some Nancy Drew, yes. <laughs> so I knew that, but I didn't know exactly how. Um, my background is not, you know, my mom was a school teacher, my dad mm. was a gardener at the Naval Academy. Oh. So there wasn't anybody that, around me that I knew what that looked like, but I just kind of right. knew that I wanted to do this. Right. So, um, Went to Towson, studied journalism, uh, majored in um, TV production. Mm. So I uh, did that. Right, you started out like uh, WBAL? Uh, right? oh, yeah, I interned at WBAL. Yeah. They had me come in at like 5 in the morning Ugh. on Saturdays. <laughs> um, 
and I got to run the teleprompter. Yeah, yeah that's where <laughs> you start. Which was very scary. That's it's where you start. Hard, I, yes. Actually, that's my beginning, too. Actually, I st uh, started off in communications and television production, too. Mm -hmm. So we share that in common. Yeah, also not a very female-friendly no. environment. I'm just, you know. Who knows? Whatever. Especially black female. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But those early, uh, early morning hours, I totally remember those. Mm -hmm. Right? You're there. Snow, rain, sleep doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But there was because I was like dragging myself in every day. Like eventually they started letting me write stuff, mm. and that's how I got my first job at WJZ oh. because um, one of the producers at BAL used to work at Jay Z, so right. she knew them, and she was like, "Go ahead and send them your resume. Cool. You know, and tell them that you're graduating soon." And so that was my first job straight out of college. That's mm. cool. That's really great. And then you got bit. Then then from there on out it was yes. straight ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but I knew bug. I knew that I wasn't like I wasn't doing a lot of writing. Like I was mm -hmm. writing like the little like VO, you know, yeah. twenty. That's voiceover for second. those of you who don't know. Yes, VO sorry. is voice, so that's 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 uh, media talk. <laughs> yes. So I was doing that, which was basically like rewriting, you know, like reporter scripts for right. AP Right. Copy. It's not very creative. Right. I, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first like Actual writing job was for a website called Firehouse.com. Mm. I wrote about firefighters. Yeah, I saw oh. this. Oh. It's, it's this? somewhere on the internet. It's like yes. it's all like emergency response sort of mm -hmm. news. So yeah. there's actually three of them. There's fire what? firefighters. There's EMTresponder.com and also Officer.com. Yeah. I'm very very happy. God bless them. I'm actually still friends with the owners, but I'm very glad that I do not work for Officer.com <laughs> right now because I think it might be a little awkward. Yeah, it um, might be yeah. right yeah. considering yeah. your position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great tidbit, though. Extra tidbit for the bio. Yeah, that she used to write for that. That's really <laughs> I like would, that. They would send me to like um, firefighter conferences mm. in like Indiana, and it would mm. be like me, um, a small black lady, and, not and a white bunch dudes. of giant <laughs> white guys with mustaches and beards. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that's exactly was, what I imagine that conference. Yeah. That, 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 that's a, that's a strange visual. That's a strange visual. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. My husband and I moved to St. Thomas, which is a whole other story in the oh. Virgin Islands. Yeah, Virgin Islands News, right? Mm -hmm. Something like, yeah. Um, that was my first time because, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Maryland. Right. And even, like, a lot of that news for, like, responder people is kind of all based out of D.C., Maryland. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. all of that mm -hmm. was not foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Living in St. Thomas for the first time, even though it's a U.S. territory, sure. that was my first time really reporting on something that was completely foreign to me, oh, yeah. which I think really helped as a writer because you have to learn, you have to pay close attention to stuff that, like, you know, doing here, I didn't have to pay, you of know, course. I, I understand a lot of it just intrinsically. So that was what I really learned, a lot of storytelling and figuring out how to, like, really be a reporter. Hmm. So I did that, came back here. Um, wrote freelance for the Afro mm -hmm, right. and freelance for yeah. a little magazine out of Annapolis called Chesapeake Family. Mm. And then City Paper hired me and that kind of is why I'm here now. So Lisa, one question before, I know Anthony has questions too, but yeah. I have a very simple, basic question. You don't have to answer it, but I think uh, the listeners probably want to know how old are, it sounds like, it sounds like you have lived a life of a, of a 60 year old. How old are you, Lisa? I am 37. Okay, right, and you're saying you, you went to St. Thomas, you did, I mean, you've had, you've had quite a whirlwind, it seems like, of experiences for your age as well. I am um, naturally a very scared, anxious person but I just always try to push myself past yeah. that. Hmm. So that's pretty much how I make all my decisions. Well, I that's, think it's great that it you're, is that, I mean, you, that, to me, that's youngish to have lived 
all this sort of big, you know, life. Yeah. yeah. And and worked a lot of and worked at a lot of different publications that do a lot of different things. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned that you're shy. I so I'm teaching right now, I'm teaching intro to journalism and a lot of my students are like, Oh, I don't know, I I can't do that, I'm shy. So I always love to see like shy and introverted people really thrive in jobs that require you to be outgoing, right? You have to be. Yeah. Like that's the crazy conundrum about I think writers because I think most of us are kind of like introspective weirdos. Yeah, right. But you know, <laughs> we, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know we don't condone those. We don't condone those words. I will say that I personally am an introspective weirdo. Yeah. But like for journalism, you have to be going out and telling stories. So like, you know, you see things and they're interesting, but you can't communicate that stuff to other people unless you kind of push yourself out of that bounce. So I think it's completely normal to be scared to do that. You just have to keep practicing. Like one thing, I talked to some kids at Towson not too long ago, and I told them one of the best things for me that's taught me how to interview people and just talk to people is like hanging out at bars. Like me and my mm. husband like to just go to bars and sit and have a drink and like talk to whoever ends up talking to us because that could be literally anybody. It could be like the CEO of some kind of Fortune 500 company, it could be, you know, trash man, it could be a teacher, it could be anybody. And usually everybody has interesting stories. Yes. Yeah. Especially after you have a few drinks. So. Right, right. No, I totally agree. And that's something um, I've often read about August Wilson, right? And um, his he got a lot of his dialogue skills from hanging out in very uh, rudimentary places, right? He mm -hmm. often went to barber shops or corner bars and he listened to dialogue of people. And that's really why I think his plays are so rich in terms of dialogue is because he went to places like what you're mentioning and spent a lot of time around just normal folks talking yeah. about whatever and listening to their um, dialect and inflection. So I think what you're saying is totally relevant and also things something that people who may be listening who are aspiring writers should think about, you know, is just the everyday common places where people are at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's really great. I do. I, I, I love also the idea of bars being helpful to a career. There's, <laughs> there's a great TED Talk about um, uh -oh, how bars and coffee shops are one of the few places where people meet without necessarily, like, a commercial agenda. And so you can, like, mm. really generate creativity and connections mm. in these sorts of places. You're like the TED Talk master. Oh, I love TED Talk. I thought it's I was... It's so middle brow basic. I thought I was good at TED Talks, but you're like, yeah. no, TED, everything. I listen to the science ones all the time. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I love I love TED Talks. I don't know. I, it caught me early for sure. Right. Um, okay. So I did I did have sort of like these formal questions I want to ask you. Particularly, okay. you know, the Baltimore Beat's a new publication, uh, a lot of local roots, and a really interesting story. So can you do you tell us the story of the Baltimore Beat, like um, both where it came from and then sort of where it's going, where you see it going? Sure. So um, I'm trying to remember now when it was. At some point in life. <laughs> <laughs> the powers that be from the sun came to us. We were kind of trucking along at City Paper. Mm -hmm. You know, things were getting tighter, but that's not strange for journalism. Things are getting tighter everywhere. Resources right. they are, are getting more they limited. Are. Um, so we kind of felt like something bad was coming. Right. Um, so they assembled us all one morning. Brandon, our editor, Brandon Soderberg, said, um, you know, they want to talk to us. So they came and said, you know, we're shutting the paper down. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really sad and disappointing, um, but I also was like, I have kids, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a house that I'd like to live in, so I kind of started hustling. We all kind of started figuring out what we were going to do. Mm. Um, I ended up getting hired at The Sun in their editorial section, mm. 
which was kind of amazing. I get, I think the reason why they hired me is because I did. I wasn't hired at City Paper to write opinion pieces. I was kind of hired just to be a straight reporter. Mm. But I ended up writing a lot of these weird, like high hybrid, reporterly opinion pieces right. that kind of felt like they had to happen because journalism is so white. So mm. like stuff that's happening here in Baltimore mm. is obviously like happening and needs to be reported. But the thing that's kind of missed sometimes is like the actual humanity and lives at stake. So I would write a lot about that kind of stuff and like yeah. the, my observations of things as a black woman, as a mother, as a person who sure. has a little black girl and little black boy at home. So it was kind of very flattering that they wanted me there because, you know, I, I was the youngest person there. Right. There was another um, black man there. He's He's a lot older than me. So it was very flattering to be asked to be on the editorial board for the Baltimore Sun. That's yes, a huge of course. deal. Right. Um, everything that I wanted to pitch to them that I said I wanted to write about this or that, they said go for it. Mm. Um, so it was a great time. I was not thinking I was going to leave there. The whole time I'm there, Brandon Soderberg, who's the editor of City Paper, was like scheming and running around <laughs> and figuring out what he was going to do because he knew that something else needed to happen. Mm. And Brandon is just insane and crazy and great yeah. in that way. Yeah. So at, while this is happening, Brandon at some, time, at some point hooks up with Kevin Naff, who is with the Washington, D.C. Blade. Mm -hmm. And so even though he works on the DC paper, he lives here in Baltimore. Right. And so he was seeing that, you know, that the city paper was closing down, that this not something that should happen in Baltimore. So they teamed up and kind of started scheming on this new paper. Brandon said that he did not want to be in charge of it. He wanted to kind of help lay the groundwork, but he did not want to be in charge of it. Boehner Woods was also on board. Um, he's hmm. a reporter here in Baltimore. And Boehner didn't want to be in charge of it. He's like, you know, I've, he used to be the editor at city right. paper. He's like, I've done it. I'm, that's not my thing. And so Brandon approached me in like October because I was, um, my 10 year wedding anniversary was coming up and we were going to Spain and he's like, okay, go to Spain. I'm going to send you this email with information and it's real. So like, look at it. Like it's not bullshit. Like we're really doing it. So I'm like, okay. So I look at it. My husband looks at it. We're both like, no. <laughs> you were, you were in disbelief. Yeah. This is crazy. Like this is a, I, we have kids that we have to support. The son is stable-ish for yes, journalism. definitely. So that was my initial, even though like deep down, like I wanted to do it, but my mature, growing up mom, wife thing was like, no, this right. can't work. Right. Um, I talked to Karen Hooper, who's a former editor at City Paper and also a writer here in Baltimore that I really like and respect and very even keeled. And she encouraged me to do it. Cause mm. she was like, Lisa, like there is no safe space in journalism, like anywhere. Mm. So. Mm. You might as well, and she's like, even if it doesn't Everything's work out, Everything's burning good. to do yes. the fun thing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and honestly, that's the way that I look at things now. Like, I literally said mm. this at a meeting we had this week, like, you know, journalism is circling the drain. So mm. the way that I approach this paper is that it's time to break up all that gross, congealed, white, male-centered way of doing things that doesn't work, that does not serve us in any way, nationally or locally. Like, journalists have a role in why Trump is in office right now, mm. and that's a thing. Mm. And even, like, just the boring ways we look for revenue, like, all of this stuff to sustain ourselves is just, like, let's reimagine, like, literally everything mm. from the ground up. And, like, 
this work has been exhaustive. Um, I work a lot. Maura Callahan, who was with City Paper and is now a deputy editor, works an insane amount because she's a deputy editor, um, our arts editor, a theater critic, our copy editor, because me and Brandon suck at copy editing. Like all of us work every day, but it feels like we're building something completely new. Mm. Um, another thing that I'm just super excited about because we are working with someone who owns uh, the Washington Blade, we can partner with them. So mm -hmm. every week we have a Blade page in our paper. Oh, cool. Um, when we're doing stuff, when we have like op-eds, like I think we had um, Dr. Lena Wen, who's the head of the health department here in Baltimore, wrote an op-ed for our sex issue about PrEP. And we were able to run that in their paper, or run that online with them. And they have a LA Blade, so they have like, you know, movie stuff so yeah. all of that helps yes um Cross and promotions. Then literally yeah. we don't have an office right now so we work out of the real news here in baltimore oh, yeah. a, the real news network yeah, network. yeah it's an sure. independent net, uh, news organization that's based here in baltimore they have a baltimore branch but they're also like national international so um we use their office space i do on-camera interviews with them so it's like to me it helps because when I'm doing those interviews, they can go on their website. And so people that are maybe in other parts of the U.S., but also like overseas, see what we're doing here in Baltimore and some of, and you know, see all the innovation and different ways that we're thinking and maybe even like replicate that somewhere else. And it just all works to create this kind of like mini media empire structure that yeah. has never existed before and gives people opportunities. Like if you go on the real news, Everybody looks different. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And not just from like a corporate standpoint, not just everyone working together to pool corporate resources, but like a really like grassroots, local, independent uh, news making and news sharing mm -hmm. network, which is so cool. And yes. it sounds like you guys have found, or you have found a way to partner with other organizations that really could bolster how do I say it? You guys are coming together to make a package product is sort yes. of what I'm saying. You yes. know what I mean? It seems like you guys are coming together to do that. And it's great that you're partnering with the, the Blade and Real News Network and mm -hmm. all these other places. That It's like cross promotions. You guys can yeah. all like sort of help each other in this respect, you know, yeah. in journalism. And it has been very dominated. I feel like um, you're totally right about the structures and what you're saying about breaking down the structures and creating something different, right? Mm -hmm. Because it has really been, um, for a long time, I used to, a long time ago, I used to intern at the Village Voice. There's a long story mm -hmm. behind the Village Voice and the reporting and how things have gone, I guess we could say, south since then. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's a sort of the same sort of thing, you know, about starting out with, uh, you know, weekly publications and how advertising, advertising goes down. They're trying to get more advertising. Mm -hmm. They're reaching out to people who, uh, you would not want to partner with in order mm -hmm. to get that advertising. <laughs> then that affects the, the editors and the stories that come out in the paper, yes. right? It's a really, um, it's a really conflicted situation. I've always felt like with uh, with newspapers. So it's really interesting and, and inspiring to hear that you guys are trying to break down that structure, especially like just uh, there's like an overwhelming whiteness across news media, sure. particularly like. Uh, alt weeklies have a reputation yes. for being yeah, like white white edge lords, right? Is mm. I think what Brandon said recently. <laughs> white edge lords. What yeah. does that mean? What's that phrase? People mean? are like trying to push the boundaries because they're oh. like pushing boundaries. Like liberals, but no, no, I mean, not really. You know what I'm talking about? The people I don't are, know what you're people talking about. who are on Twitter like, if I can just be devil's advocate for a right. minute. Yeah, oh, exactly right, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, okay. that's exactly. Right. And and like I. 
I was at a, a talk a few months ago that was like the future of alt media. And I was like, you know, honestly, like I never read City Paper when I was like sure. in my 20s because right. I didn't identify with right. any of that stuff. Right. Um, but let's talk about other places that are actually alt media that have never the Afro right, here in right. Baltimore sure. is alternative media. It is, of right? course it is. And it's been doing it since like the freaking yep. 1800s. Yep. But it's not seen or respected as such. The Blade, when we, you know, we were um, sure. kind of looking to partner with them with doing this paper and we were going to get involved with the, I think it's called the Association Alternative Press. Mm -hmm. I, I might have that wrong, but like, it would seem to me like, why is the blade not already involved? Like, mm. this is a gay paper. This mm, is a yeah. very old gay paper. Mm. Like, I think it's also time to start reimagining what alternative press. Yeah, really it's so is. interesting that the, right. the NGLJA and the AAP are such distinct organizations because they're often working in a similar market. Yep. Just mm -hmm. one's the gay alt and one's the sort of mainstream. They're not even mainstream. You can't really call alt publications. Definitely, that, you can't. Often the white. <laughs> uh, straight do right. alt, um, right. and it's cool to exactly. see that. And I just, just wanted, working against that. It's and cool. I just wanted to take uh, a little thing that you said earlier. I think it's really important, um, not just about your trajectory as a journalist, but I also think it's really interesting to listen to your story because getting to where one is in life often takes a little bit of talent and a little bit of luck, right? And yeah. so I think you have benefited from both. I think uh, working hard, working hard is one of the things that you do, but also you've been in the right place at the right time, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And been prepared, been ready to go, right? You know, pen yes. and paper in hand or, or, or ready to receive whatever the opportunity is. So I just think that's also interesting to think about as a woman. Um, you know, uh, many of us are working hard in our own perspective fields, women of color, women in general, and it's just, you know, about sort of, um, it's a, like I said, it's a combination of, I feel like, you know, luck and professionalism, but I think you really, listening to your story, it sounds like, you know, just the, the right confluence of, you know, of events. Yeah. Even you said early on, YPR or, or whoever you were working for, and you got one of your, you knew someone at YPR that recommended you to. Oh, yeah, WBAL. WBAL, right, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just like. Yeah, one of... There's two other crazy things. Like oh, yeah, one good. of them is like there crazy was a stuff. lull after I was in St. Thomas. I had my kids um, like less than two years apart. I've probably been on more job interviews than like anybody <laughs> that at least that I know. Yeah. Um, and wasn't getting any of them. Wow. I could not get hired. Hmm. Um, I couldn't even get like a job at Target because. I could have. Shame but, on Target. No, they, they would have hired me, but it's like there was a thing where when you're working, it doesn't really make sense. If you have kids, you're basically working to hand your check over to sure. like child. Right. So like right. that was a weird lull for a while. Mm. And I was like, and everyone was telling me, well, just get like a real job. Mm. Like just What's that? A What's a real job? Oh, okay. okay. Or be something normal. Right. A nurse. Or and um, I did not. And I was literally walking in the giant. And Dorothy Bulware, who was the old editor of the Afro, like called me because I'd sent them my resume like years ago. And she's like, hey, I just found your resume. Like, do you want to come write for us? Like, that is what happened. Like, that's, <laughs> right. I was like, yes. That's amazing. And right. so that really gave me, like, once I started consistently writing for them, that's why City Paper saw me. That yes. kind of like, you know. And the other thing about that, like, talking about like, hard work and luck and whatever, like the thing that I think about a lot in this position is like, even I shouldn't be here. If I'm talking about like white people <laughs> taking over journal, or, you know, being this norm in journalism, I am a very um, palatable black person. 
because I know how to code switch. Mm -hmm. I'm not from Baltimore City. I'm from Annapolis. You mm. know, like half my cousins all live here. Right. I would like somebody from here to take my job one day. Maybe not mm. today, because I like it right now. <laughs> like, really. Like, there yeah. should be another... It shouldn't just be me. Yeah. Right. Like a Baltimore born and bred person yes. of color. Yes. But also, magazine but also, you've worked very hard, and it should be you. So like well, you're saying, yeah, for but right I mean, now, there right, should be the future, a trail. The future of what you would laid, like to see. Yeah. Right, exactly. Even like, and for people that are listening to this that are in Baltimore, like, I get pitches... And, I, you know, knowing, all of us, knowing from the get-go before one word was typed that we wanted our staff to be diverse, hmm. it's so easy for it to not be diverse. Hmm. Because it's so easy to say, okay, well, we don't have a lot of time. We, we need a story written, and we can go for somebody that we already know that already has writing experience. Yeah. Who is that usually? Yeah. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even, like, the people that are pitching me, I don't get very many pitches from women. Hmm. I especially don't I get very many so, pitches from so women of color. I think that's so it's so like, important. what broke down to where, you know, all these men that are pitching me are great. Great ideas, they have, so I, you know, I'm not gonna not use them. But what happened to make women even stop the pitching process? Yeah. Not even trying. Because women notoriously are are the last to, whether it's submitting work to literary magazines yeah. or whether it's pitching magazine or newspaper, women are always reticent. They, I feel like mm. men have <laughs> more Teflon yes. egos. You know even what I'm saying? They don't even know. They, they might not even write a story idea. They're just like, hey, I want to write. Right. They're like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a guy. And you know, you should get me. You know what I mean? I, so I think that's really important, too. And I think that's something the listeners should hear. And hopefully more women will get encouraged yeah. by what you're saying to um, you know, come out and, and, and pitch you. I think this is really important. And I heard the same thing, like I said, when I was at The Voice. They were just like, yeah, we don't get many. You know, I was like, wow, I can't yeah. believe that. And then you got to stop stop right there and think why. Why? And, and even though, like, again, talk, we were talking about this in a meeting this week, even though we're all working our butts off, it's part of our job to take people who maybe don't have any writing experience or very little and and groom them. them. Yes. Yeah. That's part of our job. To be a mentor. In if a I way. sit here in all these interviews and say I want diverse, I want this paper to be part of Baltimore, that means we have to do the work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. So, so I mean, it's certainly true in, in news media, but it's true everywhere, right? Like, yeah. if you're saying, oh, my space just happens to be all white, or right. happens to be all male, or happens to be only straight, right? Like. Yep. Cool. What are you gonna do to actively mm -hmm. work against that? Not just hope it changes to become yeah. more. Yeah, because it's diverse. not gonna just. It's very very easy to yeah. keep doing the same thing. It is, and places like uh, BuzzFeed have done things like uh, create scholarships or assistantships for people to come on board, and so you know minorities, people of color, um, you know, all kinds of people to come on board and sort of. Um, you know, help for the publication in general, even though it's an online publication, BuzzFeed mm -hmm. is, you know, but I think it's really important that um, some of these establishments are creating opportunity that are actively creating, either they're making monetary, <laughs> you know, um, opportunities for people of color to come on, or they're doing something, you know, they're actively out there seeking to, to make these sort of um, in inequalities balance out some of these inequalities. I think that's really important. Yeah. Like even for Brandon, like Brandon was the editor of City Paper. He that technically he not technically he literally has more experience than me running a paper. Right. And he said no. He was like, you know, it's this is for me to step back. Mm. 
and yeah. kind of yield the floor to somebody to else. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So if you're a person of color, particularly a woman of color, pitch Lisa. Yes, yes definitely. It will take me a while to get back to you, but I promise <laughs> I will. Lisa, where can they do that at? Where can people pitch you? What's the email address or, or L McCray, M-C-C-R-A-Y, at BaltimoreBeat.com. And we'll put those links in the show notes. Right. So, so I think we should move on. Let's talk about pop culture. I think okay. Lisa's going to stay with us for the pop culture she part will. of our program. We'll be back after the music, and we'll talk pop culture. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Uh, we're ready. We're, we're excited. This week's a good news and entertainment week, I yes. think. Um, so uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it's coming out early March. You may listen to this throughout the month of March. But no doubt, Black Panther is still in theaters. Yes. Of course. It's still doing well. Yes. Um, let's Breaking records. I'm Breaking still going to be talking about Black Panther. For like the rest of 2018. <laughs> Just FYI for That's everybody. It. It's breaking records. Yeah. It's amazing. Great. So everyone loves Black Panther. I've, I've not heard anyone say, even people have criticisms of movies. There was one person apparently on Rotten Tomatoes that gave it less than, uh, you know, whatever. They tomato. were a hater. They're, yeah, and they're wrong. But people, uh, but people, but there was one person. I'm just saying there is, there is, a, there is a reviewer out there who just was like, oh, you know. Okay, so everyone loves Black Panther. But what do you love about Black Panther? What's the thing that really about this film that makes it um, not just an action film, but like a really one of the best films so far in 2018? Okay, so we went to Black Panther. We took our kids. They're um, they're eight and nine. Mm. So my husband wanted to go because he was like, you know, when I was a little boy, I did not have any black superheroes. Of course. So we want to take Cameron, my son, um, so he can see a black superhero. So that happened. Then we sit down and see like all these black women cooking, kicking ass. And I was like, Grace, like that's my daughter. And they're like, look, look, like that, that is the part. I mean, yes, that the Black Panther is great. But to me, the thing that I walked away from is seeing like a bald headed, Brown skin, not you know, not that there's anything wrong with being biracial, but not like <laughs> that, like not that there's anything wrong not, with being, but biracial. like that biracial. <laughs> Usually, like black women in movies are that, like of course, they're always yeah. like the light skinned lady with the curly hair. So like they were like legitimately brown skinned, powerful, smart, beautiful women that my daughter could see. I would agree. I would agree. That was one of the things. I mean, you know, so for me, first of all, I am not a comic book slash, um, I don't know, uh, adventure fantasy fan. I'm not. That's that's just not my genre. So I was like, oh, you know, like all the... All the media was coming out. I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. But when I sat in the movie theater, one of the things that was really important to me, one thing was what you were saying is that there uh, is female representation. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, I could always imagine that there could be more female representation. But of yes. course, we might get that in Wrinkle in, uh, wrinkle in Time. That, oh, might, yeah. that might happen there. I'm already so, in formation for Wrinkle in Time. Me, I agree, girl. I agree. Me and you, we're right here. <laughs> but in the meanwhile, you know, Black Panther being this sort of uh, male, and I feel like a lot of the um, comic book, you know, uh, cartoon theater are often male I don't want to say creation, recreation stories, right? But we're mm-hmm. often, even when we watch Lion King, right? You know, or we look, think, think back on all the big, like, uh, either cartoons or comic book figures. We're talking about men, Batman, you know, mm-hmm. Superman. We're talking about all these men who are supposed to be, like, heroes until we got Wonder Woman last year, right? Yeah. You know, so that, it's interesting to think about the female aspect. And for me, and I don't have a daughter, but it, thinking about that is really important when you go to movies about seeing representation and who you're seeing and whether or not women are represented whether or not females are represented. 
independent. So I agree with what you're saying, but also I, I would say one of the most powerful aspects to me is that there were so many darker brown skinned people of color in uh, leading roles in yes. this movie. I would say that is really one of the things that struck me as just like, I was just sitting, sitting there kind of being like, you know, mm -hmm. this is this is how the world maybe could be. And again, like you said, no disrespect against uh, biracial people or or lighter skinned black people. You know, it's just a matter of the fact that uh, for a long time, I mean, um, lighter skinned black people have been playing in main roles for a yeah. long time, right? You know, I mean, that was part of my celebration of Fences and Viola Davis is just seeing a dark-skinned woman of color on the screen in a lead role is really important It's stuff. beautiful and powerful. Yep. And yeah. I remember just always until super, super recently, like maybe even in my 30s, just there's always that level of like wishing that your hair was looser or wishing, you know, that's, that's a thing. And I didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and decide that, like that's a re there's a reason why, because I was growing up, that's what you saw. You saw like, you know, the girls with the pretty curls and of one is that, and that's what everyone ooed and odd over. And Halle Berry took over movies for decades. Yeah. <laughs> No disrespect to Halle Berry. Halle, if you're out there and you're listening, you're probably not. But anyway, if you are, we, we love you, Halle. Yes. But, but she did. I'm sure she would even say. She took over know. movies for years. You yeah. know, it was just like, I don't even know another black female actress. So, you know, the fact that Lupita and all these fantastic people are on screen just really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like it's because it's not just one person for diversity's sake, right? Like, right. you see, this is a black film, right? And the token see, from South Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, like, a, a broad expression of what it means to be black, whether that's skin tone, hair type. Even even within Wakanda, that um, the different tribes are representative of different actual African tribes. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. so much diversity of both blackness and particularly Africana blackness. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and they did the research for all the, I mean, reading about the background, they did all the research on all those tribes, both the, the, the costuming and the language. I mean, I think that's really important, too, yeah. that they did all the work, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's important that they were doing the work to, to give uh, respect to these different tribes, um, African tribes and languages that were represented in the movie. Yeah. It was amazing for me. Like, I remember, again, I went with my children, so I had to get up a lot of times and go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I need to see it again. But I remember, like just even seeing this world like the Wakanda it was just amazing like kind of a view of what and again I have never I, I would just say I've never been to Africa yet I've never been to any countries in Africa but seeing this fictionalized peaceful lush beautiful place that was like untouched by colonialism and racism is just I want to go to Wakanda. Like, <laughs> I feel like every, it smells good. Nobody's ashy. <laughs> if Lisa wants to write a story on Wakanda, she wants to take a trip to Wakanda. She wants yeah. to. That's that. That's embedded travel journalism. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, you're right. You're right. People were beautiful, and yeah, and everyone is beautiful. This is the one of the things I most love about this film. Every single person is beautiful. It's such a gorgeous talented cast it is like, it's a super cast I, it is it's absolutely a super it's cast. a super it's cast it's like boom and you know you know, yeah. you know what really impressed me you have all these like huge stars in this film yeah you do and winston duke uh, this is his breakout role he plays mbaku vegetarian zaddy <laughs> yeah vegetarian zaddy <laughs> mbaku yeah right exactly 
just a breakout role steals the scene in uh, every single scene he's in. He's gorgeous. He's hmm. he's, he's he's the the leader of the outfit yeah, tribe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of um, course. And he could steal my scene. <laughs> <laughs> I like Shuri a lot. I'm a, I'm a big Shuri. I'm a big Shuri fan. I love I'm just going to ride yeah. for you know yeah. just going there and the technology and yeah. Yeah. Sure, he's the first person in the MCU universe, the first genius of the MCU universe who's young and black, right? right. Like right. we have Tony Stark, we right. have Bruce Banner, and yeah. now we have Shuri, yeah. who's what, a teenager, early twenty. Yeah, well, like sixteen young. in the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. really? That's yeah. what I saw. I don't know anything about comic books like you, but oh. I've been like watching all the comic book comic book conversations on Twitter. Oh, yeah. okay. And I think they said I mean, she was sixteen, and they also said that she's supposed to be even be smarter than Tony Stark. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. love it, right. love it. Yeah. And, and we That's see a little girl. more of her in the comics. We see her in the yeah. comics uh, actually have her own Black Panther costume. Yeah. Um, and I just generally do recommend for the people who, are, who want more, pick up the trade paperback of Women of Wakanda. Okay. It's written by Roxane Gay. Of course, yes. Who's brilliant, yeah. right? Um, and it's a story Who of, just said on Twitter the other day that she would love to write for Batgirl. Yeah, she should. She, she also should. Also was yeah. not invited to the premiere, which somebody needs to get... That's I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. she that's tweeted about it. She was like, "Why would I not be invited?" So that's a problem that y'all that's, gotta fix. That is a problem. Black Panther people, right? Exactly. Was, Stanley was, was TNC was Tanahisi Coates invited to? I don't know. But still. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, right. It would be yeah. interesting if, well, they, if neither if yeah. neither got invited. Either way, it's outrageous. Yeah, either way, invite both of them. Right, no, I agree. They're geniuses. What are you? I doing? agree. I agree. Yeah, y'all I agree. could throw them a comp ticket. <laughs> <laughs> But they, I mean, they probably rented out the thing. I mean, yeah, they, I'm sure they, I'm sure they they, the money they're making, girl, exactly. they can, they can afford that comp ticket. Yeah. Look so, me. so check it out. Check out Rock, Roxanne Gay's Women of Wakanda. It's great. You get uh, more stories of the Dora Milaje, who are the, the women, right. the women royal guard. And um, we'll provide a link for that. And also very queer through line through the comic book stories. Yes. Yeah, because I think I saw some people on Twitter say that was one of their, you know, if you're gonna start kind of nitpicking, right. obviously it's a Hollywood blockbuster, so right. it's not gonna be super thoughtful, but yeah. that was right. one thing that you did not see. I did see, and oh man, I can't think of the name of that. I, mm, I feel like it was in the Boston Review. Anyway, there, there was a critical review written of Black Panther, basically talking about, um, the fact that Michael B. Jordan's character represented uh, a mix of African-American and African, and that he was killed at the end. So it's kind of, metaphorically, like an African brother was killing an African-American, you know, slash African brother, right? We could really and, do a whole, like, essay on Michael B. Jordan's character. There yeah. was a lot. There was a lot. But this, but this article, so there was a critical article, and if I, I can't remember the, um, the brother's name who wrote it, but anyway, I, I read it, and I was very interested in his critique because he was very interested in thinking about how um, Africans and African-Americans slash, or of mixed blood, what, whatever, yeah. are, are dealing with each other in the way in which we salute or don't salute each mm -hmm. other, right? And so he was sort of saying that final scene which was very much Lion King to me, you know, uh, Michael B. Jordan on the on the press on the cliff yeah. precipice, okay. looking at the sun. I was just like, oh, here we go. Also, you know, scenes when they go like the dead. Like to me, that was very like Lion King. Which when, one? Uh, when like uh, the Black Panther would be talking to his dad, like in the afterlife. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. right, right, right. It was very like Lion King when like the guy. I agree. Was, like, I totally agree. I was just like, everybody in the theater's got to be thinking Lion <laughs> yeah. King, right? I was just like, can we just all agree on certain <laughs> things, you know? And then I also thought the um, the the gambling scene was very much to me uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, you know when yeah. they all. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. I was totally. like, I was just like, is anyone else? I think that set actually was used for other films. That, that particular set, I think it was. I think it's like it must be like a, a you know like an LA set or something. Right, the descending 
stairs. Yeah, and all. You know, I, I was think, looking at that. I was looking I think at that. It's the same. This is out of left field. I think it's the same set as um, Kill Bill. I was thinking. I was thinking really? the same. Yes. I, was I think it's the same, same set. Thing. I think it's a High five, everybody. So I'm actually. I'm really looking forward to what you were saying. You said like this critical review. Looking. I want. I'm gonna listen on the yeah. show notes when I cool. find it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on the Boston Review. I can't remember the brother's name who wrote. Um, you know, it wasn't a damning review of Black yeah. Panther. It just was really concerned right. with these issues about how this looks and about you know what we're saying about you know um, African versus African American and what the relationship was and yeah. whether or not he said that a lot of in his article he said a lot of comic book characters have gone on to live past an injury or die and like be revived he was oh, like yes. so i'm yeah, interested yeah. in why michael b jordan had to be killed off for good he said that's a particular type of choice in terms of the mm, yeah. the plot of the movie yeah. right you know so anyway i mean i'm just bringing up these things to say that there are some critical um, you know uh views of of the movie and yeah. not everyone and every people are looking at it in different ways and trying to deconstruct what's going on behind that's it. that's what i want that's what i want i'm ready for uh, this first wave of it's amazing great right. perfect right i'm ready for those really close reads those uh, yes. really the deconstructing sort of essays about right. the movie i can't wait I'm, for those i feel like now i'm, I'm greedy because i'm like okay you gave me this and i'm so happy <laughs> So yeah, but let's talk about like let's push it further. Yeah. So where yes, we have like queer representation, yeah. right? Or let's push it further. Yes, like for I agree. me, I like agree. Shuri, if I had had her like ten years ago, like I've I've oh, always yeah. been super skinny. So for me to see like a skinny black girl, I agree. for me that was exciting. But I agree. let's have some like bodies that are not the standard issue yeah. body because like they're powerful too. Yes. you know what I mean. Like let's yes. see some of that. Like obviously Lupita is like freaking formed by the gods <laughs> but <laughs> let's have like more let's push it further let's like all get greedy and start like wanting more like let's let's I think it's fine I think it's good to have those kind of conversations right and we need a starting we need a starting point right I mean I feel like everybody needs a starting point and so for so long there's been so lack the lack thereof you know mm -hmm. representation so if we I mean we're happy that this representation is in the world but yes there yeah. could be more I agree speaking of representation oh. the other thing I wanted to talk about for pop culture gotta do is it. the return Represent. of Queer Eye uh, the return of Queer Eye so Queer Eye it's a reboot of a 2003 show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy the original show was five gay men they burst into a straight man's life <laughs> um, they reboot his house. They burst into and, a straight man's life. It is yeah. true that they never burst into a gay man's life. Yes, they did not in the original. I would like that. that. Okay, I would so like them to burst into a gay man's. We're gonna life. get there. We're gonna get there. We're yeah. gonna get there. So, okay. so the, the the format of the show, they burst in. They they uh, redress the person. They make over their home. They give them style tips. Um, the new one also includes uh, healthy eating and um, uh, making over his culture. Right, giving right, him right. a better sense of the world and himself. Right. Um, so the new show just launched now. Eight episodes available now on Netflix. Uh, just called Queer Eye. Right. A multiracial cast. Really right. great. Um, and they episode four make over a gay man, a black gay man. I haven't man. seen that one. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. I haven't seen that one. I got. I think I'm in episode three. Yeah. Oh man. It's brilliant. It's really okay. great. Um, so in episode four, it's the one everyone loves. Uh, Young, uh, really handsome, well-dressed, already hmm. handsome gay dude. So how does that makeover Successful go? Well, first, Look, he, me, first, so how does that makeover? He's already amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you One, do with him? He's a slob, right? His uh, house is just Oh, okay, okay, cool. And two, he's still closeted to his his uh, stepmother, right? Oh, no. So oh, the episode's about building his confidence oh. to come out. Oh, this, yeah. sounds, this sounds really, it's like... It's beautiful. 
it's beautiful. delicate. Yeah, it's delicate. it could yes. be fraught. Right, exactly, exactly. The mother could be show up on the. I'm sure she doesn't show up and be like, no, I disown you. You know, yeah. I'm sure she doesn't do that. But that sounds like that moment where it could be very dangerous. That's to why me. the episode works, right? Because I think viewers, particularly LGBTQ viewers, are holding our breaths. Right? Yeah. Like, oh my God, this. Yeah. This could go very poorly. Yeah. Right. Um, and that right. risk is what makes the payoff. Mm. Uh, I won't spoil it, but. Okay, don't spoil yeah, it. Yeah. But I'm sure it's it. Yeah, but I just think, I mean, so far from what I've seen from the first three episodes, I haven't watched them all. I mean, to four. Um, but they've just been great. I mean, I, I think the emotional aspect has been great. I think that they've been, um, I, I'm really happy to see a black gay man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Karamo representing, you know what I'm saying? Because, Wait, yes, in the real world? No, from, oh, wait, yeah, the, the Queer Eye. Yeah, oh, Queer okay. Eye. For, yeah, he's, he's the first Queer Eye back in... What, what year was that? Do we know? 2003 what? it launched. Oh, 2003. Yeah. The first queer I had no, I would, no minority mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Now yeah. there is both, I'm, I'm going to say, is he, I'm, I don't know. I won't. There's a black man and there is a man who's either uh, Indian or Pakistani. I was just going to say yeah. Indian. Okay. That's what I was going to yeah. say. So there are two minorities. So I'm really happy to see that. It's yeah. like, you know, that's really important for representation too, mm-hmm. is that there are uh, people of color who are seen as gay, not just, you know, it's just like, again, it's like the alt-weekly, it's the yeah. same sort yeah. of thing. It's just like, only white people can be... Or like, you know, what is it that that book where like all the men were black and all the women were white, like people seem to forget that there's black women. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right, exact, exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. But we forget about that intersectionalism. Yeah, that, exactly. that, that's, that's that black that and piece. women exist, that black and queer exists. Yes. Right, yeah. exactly. But yeah, it's emotional. I think the the new redo is very emotional and beautiful. I think that they're um, they seem to be very grounded individuals. All the guys who you know, it's it, just so much for me. It's so much smarter than the original. It right? is. I did not like it the is. original. And granted, I was a dumb like early twenties when it came out, and so. Yeah, me too. Um, and as a, as like a young queer person, you know, I'm still like figuring it out at sure. the time. And so I hated it. It was so, you know, like, sure. I'm like a young queer punk rock kid. Um, and so I'm like in a really toxic way was like, oh, that's not what being queer is all about. And it's not exclusively that, but I, you know, like it's a range of, of people and, and sort of styles. And so mm-hmm. one, I was not ready for the original Queer Eye. Mm-hmm. Two, it wasn't really as socially and politically conscious as it could be and this new show is this new show is right Um, at one point the guy uh the first makeover asks which one of you in the relationship is the woman oh there was this moment yeah wait a minute yeah you get the reason why i mean you've got to watch it in general because Mm -hmm. it's fantastic but yeah there is this moment what anthony's talking about is that you know where he says the the straight guy straight guy from texas is he from i feel like he's from texas Texas. older man older man yeah yeah no disrespect to this guy but he says are you the woman or are you the man in the relationship no 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 yeah but in places where i feel like that moment in the old show would have been edited out or they would just cut the scene there right like right. as like a punchline right they, they yeah. edited they didn't yeah. even have that kind of moment before in the yeah. old yeah and in in this show they say right, well let's stop let's unpack that which is mm. such like a woke gay thing right? yeah like, <laughs> let's, let's unpack woke that woke gay thing i love <laughs> that let's unpack that i love that um, i love that and so they talk about it. they talk about why that's a problematic thing and, and you know yeah. some men are masked and some are femme and some believe that that binary is a broken way of looking at it in general and mm-hmm. there's a range across the spectrum 
them and that they talk about that versus moving on is so smart. Yeah, right? and, and and the fact that they didn't just slap this guy upside his yeah. head. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And just be like, no, you know, no. just like boom. You know? Like, yeah. you know, they didn't do that. The yeah. reaction was very much like, I mean, you know, I've had reactions like that where I've been there's been a moment where someone said something about black people and I'd yes. be like, oh, I want to slap you, but I don't. I just <laughs> reel it in. I reel it in and I say. I take a deep breath, my big yoga breath, and I just say, you know, excuse me, what's really, you know, let's talk about what you're saying here, you know, let's examine that. I think that's a really powerful moment, I feel like, between, um, you know, liberal conservative, you know, black, white, gay, straight, I feel like that moment can be like a learning moment right. for a lot of people. Especially right? since like, it helps so many other people because nobody owes anybody those kind of explanations. No, they, no, they definitely don't. So yeah. they may have helped many, many other people <laughs> who now do not have to encounter that dumb ass question. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or many other people who are violent like me who want to pop people upside <laughs> their head. So there, there needs to be that moment. Yeah, but even like well-meaning liberals who do think like that, right? Yeah. Who just don't know and they hear it and they something goes off, the yellow flag goes mm -hmm. off. I'm like, oh, maybe I should be more about this, right? Yeah. And, and it's just the starting point, the seed for someone. But right? I love those small confrontation moments. Confrontation on screen makes me really uncomfortable. I think that's why it works, mm -hmm. right? It makes everyone really uncomfortable. Oh, I've yes. seen it. And you're I've holding your breath, and then hopefully it's relieved or it's not, right? I've yeah. seen it in person. I've seen it on screen, but I've also seen it in person. I've seen yeah. a lot of uh, you know book talks or or whatever where people have asked like really dumb question X, and you know the author is required to respond to this amid a, a, a sea full of people. You know, yeah. you know what it I mean? It kind of makes yeah. me think about when the um, trans person showed up at, what was that lady's name? Uh, Rose McGowan's book reading. Oh, oh right, yeah. Oh, I didn't read about this. last couple weeks, yeah. And really? Kind of confronted her on some of the stuff that she said, and it was handled very badly. I think the trans person was like kicked out. Yeah. And Rose what? McGowan got real defensive and oh, screechy. No. So. Yeah. We'll put the link on the show notes. It's worth watching. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah. She asked her a question and was like, hey, you've said some things that many people identify as really transphobic. Um, you're sort of the face of this movement right yep. now. Can you address them? And, and how to Rose kicked out, Rose how to yeah. cried. She's like, and I am doing stuff. It's a fraught time for, for, um, for mainstream, mainstream lesbianism that, I'm sorry, mainstream feminism that hasn't yeah. yet um, really welcomed in a greater trans movement. Yeah. Um, Julie, Julia Serrano actually wrote a recent essay about this, mm. about uh, trans exclusionary fe feminism and uh, trans ignorant mainstream feminism, mm. which is really interesting too. Mm. Uh, maybe we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, this is important to, I think, I think people need to be, yeah, not just called out, but I just think it's important moments where we all can learn from mm -hmm. these conversations. I think what Lisa is saying about, you know, maybe viewers after seeing the queer eye for the straight guy can say, okay, there's this moment where someone's saying something that I feel like is crazy and I want to address it and, the, yeah. you know, we can all learn from that, you know? Yeah. Uh, one other thing about the show that I really like, have you seen the episode yet uh, with the cop who's a Trump supporter? Ooh, no, that's my... Uh, Ooh, it is an episode. It is something. So, um, yeah, they go and he's... he's a, Clearly, I'm, I gotta, I gotta catch up. A middle-aged suburban law enforcement officer, white, uh, in the South, um, and a Trump supporter. They find his Make America Great hat in the closet. Um, and the show opens with his buddy, the person who nominated him, pulling the Fab Five over, right? And making the black man get out of the car. And you first see this, you're like, this show cannot use this as a device. This is terrible, right? Mm -hmm. The only redeeming moment is at the end of the episode, uh, that 
man is forced to the, the the guy they're making over is forced to drive back from this like commute thing on the freeway and they talk about it and it's sort of a liberal moment like oh we can get together we can yeah. get along but wait a minute they right? pulled the fat wait 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 they pulled they pulled the, pull the fat five over is this a setup is this i think a, so i think so uh, because okay. you know, I was like, like production crew is outside right i was like right? this is set up right um, i'm like i'm like but, TV moment. So it's a very TV moment, and sort of the makeup <laughs> is a very liberal moment. But it is a great moment where you see a white law enforcement officer really have someone explain to him what it's like to be um, black and engaging with law enforcement in America. Right. And and there's this moment where they talk about that opening scene, and he says like it seemed fun, right? Right. But for me, at that moment, I was terrified, and so right. It's actually I'm still not sure what I said about the episode. It's a really fraught episode, right. but yeah, it's real um, people. It's, it's real people. It is. It thank is. God. Thank God for representation. Black Panther. Queer eye for the straight guy. Bringing it all back around. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank God for representation. Okay, great. We are about to move into the last portion of our show. We'll see you in a sec. All right, and we're back. We're back for the bang portion of our show. If you've been listening, you know the sort of the wild card. We're just sort of about talk whatever. Maybe it's a game. Maybe it's a question. We're just going to go with it today. I brought a question. Yeah. Um, I was recently sort of, uh, I have notes in my phone. I was going through them of bands people have recommended to me. Mm-hmm. And I spent a whole like afternoon like, do is this band worth it? Should I add them to my Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized like in your early 20s in college and just post-college, it's really easy to find right. new music. There's mm-hmm. always some sort of channel you have. And in as you get older, that's not necessarily true. Because you, you don't care. You care. Maybe you care less. <laughs> maybe no, you're just, less connected. You're just so tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> My right. Tired. Yeah, all these reasons. So I was going to ask you all, um, how do you, if you do, how do you find new music? How do you, where do you go? What are your channels for being exposed to new music? If, if at all, because maybe you don't. Maybe you say, I'm not trying to keep up, right? I think, so. I think my answer to that question is, uh, A, recommendations from friends. A lot of friends ha- are, are listening to different kinds of music and different um, artists that I'm often interested in. They're like, oh, you should check out SZA's new album or whatever. So that's one way. That's sort of the normal way, I think, that everybody through friends. But also, I think, through Spotify. I think that's one of the... When I go to a channel, there's lots of things cycling on that channel. And so a lot of times, I'm like, oh, I like this song. Who is this? Oh, this is the internet. Oh, let me Google the internet. You know, and then I look up them, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I love the... You know, I also heard the internet and Insecure. And so, um, yeah, so... I think I think I think Spotify for me is my number one go-to, uh, it, other than friends who are listening to music. And yeah. I used to be a bit. You were on the punk rock scene. I was on the house music scene. Um, and so I I used to never have a problem in, in finding <laughs> new music because literally I was out in the streets. Um, and mostly by streets I mean clubs. People yeah. don't 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 do that. Anyway, <laughs> um, but by out in the streets I mean I was club hopping a lot. And so I was hearing new music when it was coming out because DJs were playing it. In fact, when I was in San Francisco, I went to a couple of um, I went to a couple of clubs and heard some really good um, new music. Marcus Wyatt and I also went to another uh, Afrobeat concert that I really loved and I heard some. So yeah. So anyway, I. I'm a, I'm a music aficionado, but I don't have as much time to delve into it because I'm usually investigating books and I'm usually reading. So that's the thing, the difference for me. I think people who are readers, that becomes your primary 
thing that you're like researching mm -hmm. and, and reading and so yeah. music music sort of takes a back seat now it didn't used to yeah i'm definitely gonna ask that question in the future show same thing with how do you find books but for day, today's music sub question though before we move on do you still go out do you still like go to clubs um, go not find so, music yeah, yes i do um not as often i usually go to new york when i'm i usually you know get on the bolt bus jump on the bus and and go i'm like oh my god such and such is playing i gotta go see this mm -hmm. you know and then i and i do that yeah so i do occasionally yeah. but definitely not as much as when i was um when i'm on vacation i don't know what vacation is i don't have many of those but anyway i had um a mini vacation over the christmas break when i was in san francisco and i and i put it on my list. I was just like, <laughs> one of the things I'm going to do is put myself on a dance floor and hear some new music and find out like what's out there. You that's know, and, I, and that's the way, I, li I like investigating music that way as opposed to the other way, which is sitting at home or being in my car. It's just so whack. Like yeah. I like to, I mean, no disrespect to people who listen to music in their cars, but I just really like to hear music on a dance floor. That's, yeah. a, that's, I'm, that, that's a thing I'm hugely into, is yeah. moving to the music and seeing and hearing it hearing it on big speakers is so different i don't know maybe people don't know this but hearing music in a club with really expensive speakers is like so vibrates it's so right right out. right yeah, like yeah. vibranium Ooh, throw back to black <laughs> panther ooh, ooh, there it is yeah. vibrates there yeah, it is yeah. <laughs> right i'm i'm hella middle brow so i only mm. listen to npr in my car um, and i listen to music <sighs> At home, on the walk or run. NPR in the car, I get yeah, so like. That's it, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bland. Uh, depending. I really. Depending. I mean, it's very informative. Though. My, my, okay, Cupid that's why you're profile. Asking, it is. That's why your ass knows so many tidbits <laughs> about news. That's why. My, that's my why. okay, Cupid profile for a long time said the most embarrassing thing I'm able to admit about myself is that I love. The Splendid Table. Me too. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. I, because she's so nice and enthusiastic about food. She's so earnest. I love food. this. But my husband doesn't like that lady for some reason. I'm like, how can you not like yeah. her? All right, Lisa, how do you find music? So I work with um, people that are cooler than me. Um, Maura Callahan, our deputy editor, like, went to Micah. Yeah, and, like, she's very cool. And, like, in Charles Village. And it's very, like... And Brandon, our uh, managing editor, like writes about music. Yeah. So cool. They write about this stuff, and then I read it, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so there's that. My son, who is nine, oh. is already cooler than me. <laughs> so he likes all the like the thing that kids do. Because like, I don't, I don't know these people sometimes, but he finds out from his friends like all these little pump. Little Yachty, yeah. little whoever. Right. Else. I was about to ask that if your if your son likes he like loves mumble them. rap. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. does. He's in it, and he goes on YouTube and he <laughs> knows to find a clean version of these weird songs. Oh, oh, and then he's oh like, he likes, he likes, yeah. Then he'll just play it and like rap head. <laughs> so yeah, so he already that. like for me, I'm like the most mom person ever. Yeah. So I listen to the radio. Like shout out to ninety two Q here word, in Baltimore, right. but also we have satellite radio and there's this station called uh, Fly and they play hits from the late nineties to the early two thousands, which is when I was going out and yeah. like, oh, okay, that's your and era. It's like, right. so like it's so weird because like uh, back that ass will come out <laughs> and I'm at that ass and I'm like feeling nostalgic and I'm like. But this are your kids not? But are in your the kids car. in your exactly? And that's like, like, are your kids in the car? Out, right. I gotta change it. But then, like, I had the car. Like, I was driving with like Brandon. Poor Brandon was in the car with me. So it went from like 
Mariah Carey to Boys to Men to like Salt and Pepper, cool. What a Man, and I was like Brandon, like those three songs encapsulated <laughs> who I am <laughs> I love as that. a person. I love that. I love so, that. So I don't know, and I also really, really love Cardi B. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like in a very serious way. That's cool. I think everyone does. She was here. How you can know you that. not? Yeah. She was here. You know, for Morgan's homecoming. Uh, I, I thought it was Morgan's or those Howard's. Yeah, I thought it was. Or no, not, she was no, for both. Both. It was both. 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 That's, yes. Oh, I didn't know both. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. We both. Um, we both didn't know both. That's that's weird. Yeah. And yeah. like, where was I? I was in Vegas a few weeks ago. Like, I feel like she unites everybody because it was like this table full of like middle-aged like white ladies, hmm. and they were all just like talking about Cardi B and how amazing she is. Huh. And I was like, yes, like everybody <laughs> loves her. Also, she's a Libra like me. So. Oh, okay, that's that. That maybe that they're they're very universally loved. Libras we are. are. We are, are with our wishy washy stuff. But still, but still, you guys are you guys are good social beings. And my brother's a Libra, so I have a lot of love. Believers. Everybody, everybody loves him. He's just like very popular. But and shout out to radio too because I listen to WEAA all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, I do. What's her name? Um, Dr. K. Yeah. Especially Why, why I said, Yeah. Yes. yes. Amazing. And I listen to music too. I, you know, I listen to um, um, Fiesta Musicale, which yes, is my which husband is, likes. I lo- oh my God, I'm in love with Fiesta Musicale. I'm just like it takes me. I'm just like oh my Latin jazz, my New York Latin jazz. I need it. Like there was I just, another show that they had that was like. I think it was like Caribbean music they might have gotten too. rid of oh, or they wanted to because my husband was very heartbroken. Right. He's like a super Aww. music person, so he loves like all that. And shout out to the bass man on WEA yeah. too, who we yeah. also always yeah. love. We have great radio mm-hmm. we do. ecosystem here. We do. WAA, WTMG. We do. We do. Cool. Cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I find music. That's actually one of the reasons why I asked the question. Why are you asking the question, but you don't have, well, a, that's damn, why you don't have a damn answer? It's, it's me getting ideas. <laughs> this is so, this is so Gemini, people. So this is so I, Gemini. Oh, you're a Gemini? I am a Gemini, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, they work well with Libras. A lot I'm, of Libras marry Geminis. Donald Trump's a Gemini. But no, a lot no. of Libras marry Geminis. Don't, I'm the first they, day after the Gemini Taurus May, cusp. right, the May, okay. I know, I think right. it's 20 to 22nd or something of the cusp. Right. I'm 23rd, right? Right, so, right. My father's also on that cusp. That's yeah. how I always remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to find music. I, I write little notes in my phone when people say, I mean, a little bit of Spotify, right? Like right. the recommended thing. Right. Um, a little bit of radio, I guess, but I don't really mm. write down Twitter many really helps me also. Like when people really? start kind of talking about certain artists, uh-huh. I'm like, who is this, this person? And yeah. I'll find them. I'm like, oh yeah, I think that's how I discovered like SZA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. I have SZA, everybody in my collective, in the Black Ladies Brunch collective, they were all like, SZA, SZA, SZA. And I was just like, what? And I was like, mm. And then eventually I just came a con- became a convert. Yeah, so I teach, right? And, I, and it's weird because I don't know... I, my lines are really blurry, so I don't know like what is music that like college age people listen to, and oh, what know. is like what's like between the generations and what's my generation, right? right? So it's weird for me. I don't know. I don't know. Mostly, it's writing stuff down. Like I just discovered like a weird like there's a there's like a emo revival movement which I'm all about, right? Um, this sounds like Anthony needs help. Listeners, you can help <laughs> Anthony. Find new music. Yeah. You can reach us on Twitter at, yeah. at LitPopBang, yeah. or you can email us at, we don't have an email address yet. Uh, I just was going to say. We oh, should, we'll figure it out. It should be LitPopBang at gmail.com. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Sounds good. Anyway. 
We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll yeah, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's it's Spotify, I guess, is the strongest one. Word of mouth is a big one. Right. I do listen to radio, mostly talk radio, but I do occasionally turn on 92Q or uh, 89.7 WTMD here in Baltimore. Um, you got to get off that NPR on the radio. I love it, though. Out yeah. of the blocks. Out of the blocks is great. It's amazing. Yes. I literally missed a term one time. And because I was like so engrossed in that show, it's <laughs> I've so definitely done that before. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. For those who who are not familiar, uh, Out of the Blocks is a podcast that recently got picked up by a local radio station. They do like um, a block by block uh, audio profile mm-hmm. of different places around Baltimore City, and it's amazing because yeah. Baltimore City is a city of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's a, a post-industrial city trying to revive itself in a service economy it's a primarily black city that's still like not really well integrated Mm -hmm. it's it's a wild city so out of the blocks it's really representative of how wild it is our show notes are going to reflect all these things our show notes are going to be like i'm sorry i feel like i've just been like Throwing stuff out. No, we all have been. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We've totally enjoyed having this conversation with you, Lisa. Yeah, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I've really enjoyed myself. It's been a privilege. It it has a good conversation, good, you know, high-fiving. I'm tipsy now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the audience, I don't know if they know that. We drink. We drink, audience members, sometimes. Not all the time. Just occasionally. All right, and that's it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Again, from Charm City, this has been Lit. Pop. Bang. Bang.